We continue our Christmas series, uh, Four Visits of Angels. We're on angel visit number two. Last week we looked at uh, an angel coming to Zechariah in the temple. Uh, each one of these sermons, we're looking at the text, but we're also looking at angels a little more intensely, um, mostly because I want to. Uh, hopefully you'll enjoy it too. Uh, the On the front of your bulletin and on the screen is the uh, Kingstone uh, graphic novel version of what Gabriel looked like. I uh, kind of like it. He looks uh, fairly imposing. So let's just look at the first two verses here because Gabriel shows up again. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. We find out a lot about what's going on here. We know we're in Nazareth. We know that Joseph is betrothed, and we know that this young lady's name is Mary. We also know he's from the house of David, which is quite important uh, from the, what we call the Davidic covenant. Uh, these angels show up a little more prevalently during this Christmas time, this nativity time. Uh, we talked about last week that they probably are around a lot more than we know. We just don't see them. We'll look at that a little bit yet today. And we also looked at Israel has a protector angel. We see this in Daniel. Uh, but I tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is m none who contends by my side with these, against these, except Michael, your prince. Michael is an archangel. We find that out in the book of Revelation. And he's the protector angel of Israel, it appears. Um, it also appears from Daniel and possibly these texts that Gabriel is somehow his assistant, uh, even possibly the, the main angel that is ushering in the new covenant. Uh, but uh, we can't be sure of that. So when we look at these angels, they're very imposing. But what are they like? There's a lot of bad angelology out there, especially during Christmas time. Uh, I would say most, uh, we're going to look at some pictures of angels. You, you saw one, that one. Um, but uh, we'll look at a few others, and they don't look like your Christmas cards much. Um, I always wondered, you know, you got those little cherubs that came in Renaissance time, and we're going to look at what a cherubim looks like. Um, well, artist rendition. Uh, but the, uh, did you ever think about if, if one of those little cherubs, Valentine's Day little fat baby angels are flying around? And they appear and say, Mary, and, 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 and then fear not. You know, why would, they, why would they, what would you be afraid of? You'd be laughing. They must be somewhat more imposing than, than we think they are. But some facts about uh, angels. We're hitting a little bit each week to look at what they are. I think hopefully this is a little more systematic uh, theology, uh, looking at uh, pieces of this. But God created them. That's the first thing we need. They're not gods. They're called gods in a lesser sense. Sometimes in the Old Testament as those who have spiritual power. But in Colossians 1, you know, for by Christ all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. When we look at those thrones and dominions and rulers and authorities, that's kingdom language. He's not just the king of Humanity, he's supposed to be, those who are subject to him. He's also the king of all spiritual forces. Uh, and we will continue in this life until a second coming where he will put all of his enemies under his feet, as it says in 1 Corinthians. So they're created beings, just like we are. When they were created, 
It's another discussion we don't quite know. We'll look a little bit at that, uh, look a little bit at that next week. And angels naturally exist as non-physical beings. This is hard for us. Um, it's really hard to point out non-physical things, isn't it? I mean, if one was here, it'd be kind of hard to convince you, right, if you couldn't see him. Uh, but we see this in Hebrews 1. Uh, and to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? They're talking about Christ there. That's what Hebrews is trying to do is show us how Christ is the Messiah promised from the Old Testament. Are they, angels, not ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? One of their main things is to serve. That's what Gabriel's doing here. He's serving us by giving this message to Mary. Why don't we get more than this? I always wonder, you know, Mary and Joseph, Joseph's going to get one. He's going to get another one. Shepherds will get one. But you, we don't hear much about that after that. Uh, this must be enough for them. Uh, but they're not physical, which means they're non-physical. They're there. You know, God's that way, right? John 4, God is spirit. In his essence, God is not physical. This is what we celebrate at Christmas, that the, the word became flesh and dwells among us. He takes on bodily form. And we see this with Mary once in a while, and from time to time, angels take on bodily form and appear to various people in Scripture. Angels are a distinctly different type of being than humans. This is one we mess up all the time. Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. There's something majestic about the holy angels and we're made a little lower than that. And this also probably has to do with Christ in this psalm that he's made a little lower than the angels because he's made human. Humans do not become angels when they die. If that burst your bubble, good. That is not theology from the Bible. That comes from lots of different places. It's not biblical theology. Uh, now, we can use it metaphoric, you know, that, you know, I've heard people say when people die that God gained another angel. I don't know if they mean that Gabriel now has another fighter in his ranks. I think it just means that they were, they were a believer and, and God gained another person. But just be careful with that language because it can mess things up if we don't get this right. Uh, these are different types of beings, uh, they, are, uh, they have their own way uh, of doing things. They serve God, and there's also a group that don't serve God. We see one of those show up pretty quickly in the Bible in Genesis 3 in the form of a serpent. Uh, but we don't become that. Did, did you get that? Maybe I could do a, I don't know enough Baptists in here to say the right thing. But uh, do humans become angels? No. Uh, do angels become humans? No. That uh, doesn't cross over. And, you know, whether I like that is really irrelevant. Is it true? <laughs> I think it comes down to. They're not omnipresent. They're not, they don't have the same attributes as God. Uh, they can't be multiple places at the same time. We see this in Daniel 10. Then the angel said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard, and I have come. Because of your words, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for the days yet to come. And if you want to read the rest of that, it is quite interesting. Um, but for our purposes today, they moved from place to place. This is so cool. It's a, such a neat scripture anyway. Daniel's praying. And what that 
supposedly from this text, it must make the angelic forces move. Maybe even gives them power. I don't know how that works. But he's praying, but he, there he didn't get there as quickly as he wanted because there were spiritual forces against him too. But somehow his prayers make a difference. We had that last week in Revelation where the prayers of the, of the believers go up like incense to God and he gets them all. You know, a neat metaphor for what that's like. But unlike God, who is omnipresent, has unlimited presence, can be all places at all time, angels are finite creatures, limited to one place at a time. I do think they might be quite quick, uh, but they are limited and finite even different than human, they, they have attributes different than human. They do not have divine attributes. They're still... And if you read in Revelation, most of the time, and we'll get some of these in the next couple of weeks, what do they do up there or with God? Most of the time, they're just worshiping Him. It's always humbling for me because, you know, I feel like I've done a pretty good job if I get an hour a week in and worship. Uh, and I think... Y you do. I mean, and, and like I said, uh, you all get a point today, so put it on your, they're not useful for a thing, but it's nice to get them. But worship, you know, we look at that, what does that mean? Well, it's really the best way we can relate to God. It's a response to his glory. It's a response to his, his uh, acts and his love. It's a response. It's the best response we can give. So the way I look at that, the worship, that's how we relate to him. They never look bored in Revelation. They're not like, you know, looking at their watch. It's like, yeah. You know, they, they just look like they're really enjoying themselves. And I've said that before. If you're worshiping God and you're bored, you're doing it wrong. Uh, you know, it can be, it, what you look like is not the big point. Where, where your heart is is the main. It's not the position of your body. It's maybe the condition of your heart And when you worship. But worship is that main way we commune with God. And so I think when you read that, don't think bored. You know, we get those comics where I think there's a far side where, where there's a guy on a cloud in heaven sitting there looking awful bored. And at the bottom it says, wish I'd brought a magazine. That's not the way heaven's going to work. It's, it, you know, you never see boredom. You see communion, relationship. And that's how that's done. But angels aren't omnipresent. Uh, we we can't prove that personal guardian angels exist. I know this theology is out there, and, and maybe it's true. The Bible clearly tells us that God sends angels to protect people, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. This is a promise. I in our family, it's always been uh, the way I always want to know, you know, when's your flight, when are you going, because I always like to pray for travel. You know, I don't know. It's just something I've always done. Um, I'm not saying if I pray for that, that God's going to make sure that you get good gas mileage and everything goes smoothly uh, and you don't spill your coffee, but it's the idea of just protection. Isn't that, there's nothing wrong with praying for protection for each other. And you hear some of those accounts that I remember reading a book many years ago. This is when I was still an actuary in Des Moines in the 90s. I went down to a bookstore and found this book, and I can't find it now, so it uh, must not have got great circulation, but it was just some some Christians giving some experiences they had with angels. And the one I remember was, it was uh, uh, like in the Estes Park area, anybody been, you know, the, the hills that come down and they have those places where the semis, if they lose their brakes, they can come up and, and stop. Well, this was a time when this guy, a Christian guy, uh, was his truck brakes went out and he's not anywhere near one of those places. And the person telling the story is actually in the car behind. 
And, you know, you can take this whether you think they were, you know, had a little marijuana before that because this was before Rocky Mountain High, the way it is now out there. But, uh, but he's pumping the brakes, but what's he doing? What would you do? You would pray, or I would, you know. And so he prays. And as he goes, it, 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 the truck just slows down. Brakes still don't work. And he kind of just pulls off to the side like this. And then the, this car comes behind him, and another car has come behind him, and they're all just, their eyes are just huge. And they're like, did you see it? Did you see it? He said, there were these bright beings were pushing your truck back. You know, I'm not saying that's what I'm praying for, for when you go on a flight, but sometimes I guess God lets us into those things. And again, you can believe that or not. They sure believed it. And think about the truck driver never saw him, but he was praying. And who knows what our prayers will do. And if God wants to use an angel, let him use an angel. Most of the time, I don't think we see it. And why God allowed that person to see it, I don't know. Uh, I don't think we're more spiritual if we see it and less spiritual if we don't. But what do we say when that happens? Thank you. <laughs> you know, at that point, I don't really care how it happened, but what a neat way to look at it and how many times. I remember living in Austin with traffic everywhere, and in Tokyo is probably the same way with people everywhere. It's like, what are the chances? It's just a little bit of a mess up in a car, and boom. How many times? I sometimes wonder when you get to heaven, they're like, here's these million and six times I went like this. Well, let's pray for that. Let's pray for, for protection. That's physical protection, but the main thing, this is spiritual protection from evil, Ephesians 6 and that type of stuff too, and angels are there for that too. That's what Michael and Gabriel were doing in the book of Daniel. But there never seems to be definite biblical proof of a one-on-one um, angel-human connection. When it says in, in Matthew that, see that you not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. You can get this pretty easy when you just realize these are plural words. It's not necessarily saying a one-on-one. -on -one. The way I did it was kind of since this basketball season's starting. Um, this is more of a zone defense, I think, than it is a man-on-man. -man. Um, it might be, and I'm not going to, but what, what, you can see the slippery slope problem if you're thinking you have your own angel. What is going to be maybe a temptation? Would you pray to that angel? Yeah. People have, and that's probably not a good idea. Don't bow down to them. You don't worship them. They're, they're created beings, and you see that in the Bible. When John tries to bow down in Revelation 19 to an angel, he says, no, I'm a fellow servant like you. Get up, worship God only. And so that's a problem with that, but that they protect us is fine. Let God decide how he does that. You notice in Daniel's prayer, he's not saying, send Gabriel and Michael because they're both pretty ripped, and I want to win this war. He just says, you know, protect my people. May people repent, and, and God does the angel thing the way he wants to. Now, some angels have wings. Uh, we saw the Gabriel picture. It doesn't say he has wings. He could have wings. Why do you think they always put wings on him? Do you know the airplanes back then were not very technologically sound? Uh, if you, something flew in the first centuries, second century B.C., third century B.C., the time of Jesus, how, what flew at that time? It was the only thing that flew were birds. And, you know, the bat wings usually go on the bad guys, but the bird wings go on the good guys, and that's how art does that. But you have, in Exodus 25, you have the, the uh, Ark of the Covenant, and the cherubim spread their wings above, overshadowing 
the mercy seat. So these are these cherubim, faces one to another toward the mercy seat. You see their faces. Cherubim is plural. There's two. This is an artist's rendition of what that, what that might look like. You know where the Ark of the Covenant is now? Oh, man, I thought there would be somebody new because we don't know where it's at. After the Babylonian captivity, it just kind of falls off the pages of Scripture. But this is kind of a, a maybe a way. You can see they have multiple wings, and this is a, a way of, uh, of doing it. Um, in Isaiah 6, above them stood seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two he flew, and one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Worship. But look at this is an artist's rendition. I kind of like this one. You know? You know why? What if this is what Gabriel looked like? <laughs> Fear not would be in order. <laughs> look at that. But wouldn't it be nice to have that dude on your side? That would be really good. And look at this, holy, holy, holy. I don't know if you knew that, but in Hebrew, they don't have punctuation. So how do you say, instead of saying holy or holy or holy, the more times you do it. When Jesus says, truly, truly, I say you, he's yelling. That's, that's the way you do that. You don't have punctuation. You just, and this is the only attribute of God that is put there with three times in a row. It's probably the main, it is the main attribute of God. If you understand God's holiness, everything else kind of falls into place. Grace makes sense. Love makes sense. Mercy makes sense. And then we get these wonderful creatures. And the four living creatures, each who had six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, they never cease to say, does this sound familiar? This is in Revelation. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. These are different heads on there. We got the ox head and the bird head and the, and the, the human head, the lion, but all these eyes. You've got the Lord sitting on the throne and John in some way trying to give us some sort of human way to look at this. But this is where we get the wings. This is what angels are like. They're very imposing, uh, very wonderful beings. I don't know what it will be like when we get to visit them at our death. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to that. And just, I know we're, some of us are from, you know, Denison, but there's no biblical teaching that indicates angels get their wings by doing good deeds. Like, oh, it's a wonderful life. Sorry. <laughs> I guess I'm not saying it happens, but it seems like that's already been decided on whether they're with God or without. So it's a nice show, and I'm glad Clarence got them, uh, but that's not necessarily biblical. I don't know if it's anti-biblical, but it's definitely not in the Bible. So let's quickly go through the rest of this uh, somewhat familiar text for us. Verse 28, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over his house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So Mary founds favor. This is what we call a Greek participle. If you learn languages, you've got to learn English before you can learn the other language. Participle is kind of a nouny verb. It, it takes something, so it's like favored one, graced upon one, blessed one, and she is. She's a recipient of a special blessing from God. That's where that comes from. She's a very, very unique and special lady. Nobody else got to do this. So 
She's experienced God's undeserved, unmerited grace in a special way. And she realizes that. I think the reason she probably got chosen was because she was humble. Now, it doesn't change who Mary is or give her a status beyond other people, but it singles her out as a special instrument whom God chose to use his gracious plan of salvation. I know some denominations maybe lift her up too high. We have to be so careful we don't put her down too low. She was a chosen instrument, very important. And the grace that Mary received was God's presence with her. You might say, Emmanuel, God with us. Well, that's a very special, wouldn't it be wonderful? She's going to go, they're going to go through some tough times with Jesus. Um, She probably went through a lot of tough times, more than likely Joseph died somewhere between the time Jesus was 12 and he was 30 because he falls off the pages and not mentioned after that. That's the way we think about it. Another thing about angels um, that we didn't have as an attribute but may be true from verse 30 is it seems that Gabriel understands her thoughts. And that would make sense. Uh, You know, tempters can understand our thoughts. I assume uh, the good angels can too. And then verse 32, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. This is, he's clearly going back to that covenant that we see in 2 Samuel, the Davidic covenant that tying that back here in this text. And then they continue. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? I'm not going to hit this now, but in the questions, if you're in a life group or if you're just watching football and want to read this, it's interesting. This, both of Zachariah and Mary ask a question, but the answer is a little different. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth is in her old age and has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am your servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel left her. So he answers her question. She must have had a sincere question. And she, he answers it with what we call the virgin birth. And yes, we do go to the mat for this. This is something I think a Christian should believe. I don't understand why people struggle with this. God created the earth. I think he can get a baby in a, in, a, in a mother's womb. He can probably figure that out. In fact, he does that quite frequently. This is a little different on how it happens. It's going to be born through a special miracle of God. In a human womb comes a human, fully human, fully divine being. The son of God. Different from all the other kids and kings in Jerusalem because he is the Holy One, never sinning, here for a special reason. And then, what a wonderful thing for Mary. You're not alone in this. And we'll, the, the, the account right after this has Elizabeth, her going to Elizabeth, two women who've had miraculous births, verifying that God was at work in miraculous ways at this time. So Mary, humble submission, is going to do this, does not know the future, neither do we but she knows the one who has the future in his hands. And when Gabriel finished up his work, he left. Let us pray. Father, as we look at these texts, it's uh, such a wonderful thing to see these wonderful creatures that you created, spirit beings that have so much power and love and care and do your work and fight for you. We thank you that they're on our side, that uh, you let us see a little bit of that light of the angels at the time when you send your son to come as a baby. May we remember that our prayers are always to be to you, uh, focusing on your kingdom, but we thank you for answering the prayers 
that are in your will being with us through this holiday season. Always help us remember that you sent the king. May we follow him as such.